0: Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Tonight, what I want to do is I want to speak on this topic, which is the privilege of parenthood the privilege of parenthood. And uh, if you don't have kids, this is going to be something great, maybe something that you want to think about uh, before you you have kids. And I want to tell you that my my goal here today, I want to honor dads. Can we just have a little bit of interaction here tonight? Just raise your hand for me if you have a dad. Some of you are not putting up your hands and you're very confused because every single person has to have a father. Now, you might not have the best relationship with them. Uh, maybe you've got a good relationship, maybe you don't. But everyone, they, hey, I don't want to... Ex- I don't want to explain to you how babies are made, so I'm just going to say that there needs to be a mom and a dad, all right, or or, or a man and a woman. It's just how it works, all right? So, so we want to make time. I think that's why it's so great that we take this time to just celebrate fatherhood, because regardless of anything, I do believe we have something that we can be thankful for. So I want to read to you a scripture. It comes out of Luke chapter 10. And it begins in verse 38. Just to bring you up to speed before I read the scripture to you. Jesus is just on a long journey. He encounters a couple of ladies along the way. And I'm going to read this. Verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Now, when you see a word like that used twice, Martha, Martha, Here's what's not happening. God didn't come to the guys that were writing the Bible and say, you have like an 8,000 word count limit and you need to write at least 8,000 words or we're not putting it in. So they weren't just trying to, you know, double up on some words and hope you didn't notice. Every time you see a word used twice, particularly by Jesus, it's because he is real serious. All right, You get that? He's real serious about this. And he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I'm part of a small group here at Activate Church. I'm a a small group leader. And one of the reasons that I'm a small group leader is because I think it is a great privilege to be able to invest into the lives of of other people. So I'll tell you the truth, right? This is kind of like how my life looks on a Wednesday. I get home from work. When I get home from work, my my kids have generally, just generally speaking, they have totaled the house, okay? Now, if messiness was a spiritual gift, all three of my kids possess it. And so I get home and the house is a mess and their bedtime is 7 o'clock. Small group starts 7.30. So once you're a parent, you'll understand this. If bedtime is 7 o'clock, you get them into bed sometime around 7.25, okay? And so I'm like trying to get them into bed and then we have about five minutes to clean up the house and I'm telling you like nearly every week it's a mess right and people are coming over I'm like uh, every week like this is my prayer before small group not not Lord let tonight be great I'm like Lord let everyone be late so 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 then I I start to clean everything up and and I'll grab I have at my house a junk room do you have that do you know what I'm talking about? A junk room? It's a room where you put stuff and hope that nobody walks in there to notice all your junk. Okay. So I grab all of the stuff and I kind of put it. Unfortunately, it's also doubles as my office. So I put everything in there and I close the door. People come in. They're like, wow, you know, it's, this house is always so clean. It's only clean because you didn't look in the junk room. Okay. That's how that works. Right now. The reason that we kill ourselves every, every Wednesday is because we believe that it's worth investing into the lives of other people. And we love our small group we got some great relationships with those guys. But the other reason why we make it so clean, in all honesty, is because this is just me, right? It's that presentation matters all right, presentation matters. I want the house to be nice and clean when we have guests coming over. Can you imagine how you might feel if Jesus was coming to your house for dinner? I mean, physically, he showed up and he said, I'm going to stop by. I should be there in about 30 minutes. You would be cleaning like a madman. You would be going crazy, trying to make sure that everything is clean because it's, come on, Jesus is coming. It's important. I want to just, I want to just tell you something on the side, or I'm going to take a sidebar for for just a minute. Now, I've discovered that messy houses are kind of like messy lives. Messy houses are kind of like messy lives. You know, some people, what they try to do is is that when they think that they're going to be around Jesus, or maybe some church people, or something spiritual, they try to clean themselves up to make themselves presentable, maybe sometimes so that other people will accept. And I want to tell you something about Activate Church. Hey, you don't have to ever do that here, not at this church. Not here in this place. Not to Activate. No, we understand that people's lives are messy. And here's one of the mistakes that you could make is trying to make yourself, just clean yourself up before you ever even get to church. I've discovered something to be true about Jesus. He's pretty happy to make himself at home in your life, whether it's messy or not. And here's the other part. If you think your life isn't messy, you're probably deluded. Because the truth is, is I've discovered everybody has mess. And Jesus is the expert at cleaning mess. In fact, a mistake for you would be to think that you could clean the mess without him. Because this is what we call good news. This is what we call the gospel message. And the gospel is that you have got some mess in your life somewhere and you need him to help you out. So what he did to help you out, he paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. That's a, that's a penalty that you don't want to pay, and so you just ask him to forgive you of all of your sin, then he makes his home in your life, and he begins to speak to you and counsel you, and he starts to get you clean. Don't try to do this on your own. Don't try to do this on your own. Don't try to clean up your house and make sure it looks good, because hey, Jesus is the expert at cleaning up people whose lives are messy. Just a little side note, but but hey, come on, let's let's get back to this story, because I want to talk about these two women, Mary and Martha. Hands up if you've got a sister. Hands up if... Leave your hand up for a minute if she's like real different to you. Yeah, she's real, she's real different. Some people are laughing, thinking about how different their sister is. Just leave your hand a little bit of honesty here. It's okay because you're, you're talking about your sister. Um, um, hands up if your sister is, is just lazy and you know. Okay, there's some real honest people. There's some honest people here. Thank you for your honesty. I just appreciate that, right? You know what? Here's the thing. When we read the scripture, we got two sisters here are totally different. And one likes to work and have things neat and tidy and everything in order. I would probably be more like Martha. And then she's looking at her sister who she thinks is crazy lazy because her sister, instead of cleaning up everything and making room uh, uh, and tidying up the house and all the rest of it for this very special guest, which is Jesus. Here she is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything that that Jesus is teaching. Now, this thing about Mary, she's just wowed by the fact that Jesus is there. But Martha is unbelievably distracted and she's not getting to listen to anything that Jesus is teaching. She's just maybe catching little bits. But the truth is she's probably in the kitchen. She's making bread. She's baking because culturally it would be expected that if you had a guest to your home, particularly a rabbi, that you would be looking after them and serving them really well. And so can you imagine Martha getting all irritated and annoyed at her sister She's like, why am I the only one working? Here's, where's Mary when you need her? Here's Mary just sitting out there. She's just smiling at Jesus, smiling at Jesus, right? And here's me actually trying to serve Jesus and make sure that everything's okay and everything's all right for him. And my sister, my sister is just crazy, crazy lazy. Now, I, wanna, I want you to tell you something, right? What Martha was doing was actually a good thing, but this is the reaction that she gets. Now, you know that she's been playing some scenarios in her head and slowly going crazy. Because the way that this reads is that she almost walks into the room where Jesus was with Mary. And she walks in, and you know Martha has got her crazy on, when she walks in and she's like, Jesus? (laughs) Now you know when somebody speaks to Jesus like that, they're a little bit crazy, right? It's like, who has the guts to do that? She's mad, right? She's like, Jesus? How can you be okay With my lazy sister, while I'm working, she's just sitting around, she's lounging around, she's having a great time. Would you tell her to get in the kitchen and and help me? And here's what Jesus says back to her. He says, Martha, Martha, you are distracted and anxious about many things. You're distracted and you're anxious, you're troubled about many things. I'll tell you, I know some men like Martha who was so distracted and anxious and troubled by many things that they're actually missing something that could be right in front of their face. Martha had Jesus in her house and she was so consumed with serving that she missed out on actually sitting at his feet and having conversation. I know some men like Martha that get stressed and anxious and are worried and they're so distracted by the cares and the affairs of life that there's all kinds of other things that could be happening in their life but they're not looking at those things. You know I thought about this because to to be honest I've been doing this job for just a little while and I've had lots of conversations with men and I'll tell you the the more I do this the more I meet anxious men. So I I thought well I wonder what the things are that men are, are, are most anxious about. What are men most worried about. And so I looked, I googled it. That's how you you know that this is true, because I found it on the internet. And this is the, I want to tell you five things that that men stress about. Five things. Number one, they stress about their health. They stress about their health. Somebody, the doctor found something, and, and, and now they're completely stressed about it. They're thinking about it. It's consuming their thinking. The fourth thing that Men stress about it's just the pace of life. You know, I don't think it really matters whether that's men or women. Everybody I meet is busy all of the time, they're always busy. And so the pace of life. It just stresses people out. The third thing that men stress about is job security. So they're worried that they're going to lose their job. The second thing that they're stressed about is what's going on in their family. And the number one thing that men are stressed about, can you guess what it might be? It's money. Every time they're stressed about money. And so because they're stressed about money and can I pay the bills and can I pay the rent, all of their focus is, and, and their anxiousness and their worry is all on the finances, right? And because they're totally consumed by that, there's all this other stuff called life that's happening and here's the truth they're kind of missing out on it So Jesus comes to uh, Martha and he says, Hey, can I tell you something about your sister? You're stressed and you're worried and you're anxious about many things. You think it's so culturally important that you're baking bread and doing everything that you can to clean up your house for me. But can I tell you the truth that your sister Mary, who you think is lazy, she's actually chosen something that's necessary. She's chosen the good portion and I'm not going to take it away from her. And this must have been like a crazy revelation for Martha because the truth is, is that what Martha was doing was good. It wasn't bad I don't want to make her seem bad Because what she was doing was good I mean a lot of the stuff that people stress about They're not bad things It's good to be concerned with your health It's good to be concerned about job security Because you've got a family to look after It's good to be thinking about the relationships But, But what if all of those good things Were distracting you from other things Here's what I've learned Good things can distract you from great things. Good things can distract you from great things. When my son was born, my oldest son, his name is Judah. He's eight years old now. And when he was born, he must have been about a month old. We got him back from the hospital. And I remember we had him on the change table. And I'll never forget this. We had him on the change table. My wife Sarah and I were talking. And we look at him. And he uh, is lying down just facing the ceiling. And then he, he, he moves his, his hand up like this and it, and it gave him like a fright because he saw it and he was like... He saw his own hand. <laughs> and he looked at it and we're watching this unfold. And then he did something. He was like... He's like moved it around. Now you've got to understand this is a game changer for a small child. He was like... I can move. He just. I can move. I can grab stuff. I can hold things. I'm actually in control of these. He realized that he had arms, and this was like a great revelation to him. He was like, "This is just unbelievable. This is awesome. This is so cool. Look at this, right?" And I got to watch it happen. And when I saw it, right, I mean, this was. It was a split second. It was a couple seconds of his life, and I just happened to be there. To see that moment and to watch it unfold. And if I had have been busy or distracted, I wouldn't have seen it. you got to be present sometimes so you can see great things that are happening and not be distracted all the time with, and getting anxious about the, the cares and the affairs of life. I, I'll be honest, though. I haven't always been so good at this. I haven't always been so good at this. I'm going to introduce a term to you guys tonight. I've never heard anybody say this, but this is something that I'm going to say. I am what what I have termed iPhone agreeable. iPhone agreeable. So um, this is what can happen. This is this can happen regularly. I will be anywhere with my kids, right? But something like maybe in the car. And I may have pulled out my phone for work, check an email, send a text message, whatever I needed to do. And then, I don't know about you, but my, my thumb always finds its way to Facebook. all right? And I even hide it from myself, but my, my thumb just knows where it is. So then I'm on it and I'm just flicking through stuff and my kids will ask me questions. right? And so then I'm iPhone agreeable. So what happens is they'll say something to me and I'll say... Yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. And my wife will say, Ben, I'll say, what? She says, do you know what you just agreed to? I said, no. (laughs) I have no idea. I was completely distracted. I'm a man. We can do like one thing, okay, at a time. So so I'm on here. I'm like, I have no idea what I just agreed to. She says, you just told them to have an ice cream for dinner. I'm like, what? That's a crazy question. You are not have an ice cream for dinner. They're like, but dad, you said. And I'm like, well, maybe I said, but, but I was distracted, okay? And because I can only do one thing at once, sometimes I can get involved in this thing, right, which distracts me. And I, I just, I'm not paying attention to the other stuff that's going on In my life, I'm actually missing conversations. I'm missing what people are saying. And so I discovered this about myself a a, a number of years ago. So here's what I said. I said, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution about this. And here's my New Year's resolution. It was this simple. And I don't really make New Year's resolutions, but this was was one that I definitely wanted to make. I just want to be where I am. I just want to be where I am. I don't want to be with my kids and looking at the highlight reel of somebody else's life and wishing I was there. I don't want to be here wishing I was there. I want to be present. I want to be in the moment. I want to be fully engaged. And I realized that if I didn't do something about this, I could just go through life being totally distracted by these incredible moments that only last seconds and I'm not even going to to see them. I'm going to not even know about them. And a number of years ago, oh, sorry, just at the beginning of this year, I read a book and it totally changed the way that I looked at technology. And I decided to make some changes in my life. So here's what I do when I come home. When I get home from a day at work, I take off, I take out my phone and I plug it in, in my office slash junk room and I put it in there. And then I take my watch off because it's a smartwatch and My wife just sent me a text message. That's great. And see what I'm talking about? So, So I take off my watch and then I put that in my office and I put in anything that can actually distract me. And then I go out and I sit down and I have dinner with my family and I'm not working at the same time that I'm having dinner because I just want to be where I am. It's so important to pay attention to the moments of life and not be distracted and just watching them disappear because you're distracted by stuff that's not important. Martha is doing some really good things, but she's distracted by some things that are not really important. The truth is is that Jesus is teaching Mary. And, the, and, and don't hey, don't kill the messenger, but the truth is they would not teach the Torah to women. And so now Jesus... The Messiah is in her house teaching, right? What's the greater thing? What's the greater moment? Where would you want to be? She's so distracted. She's missed this great moment. I wanted to ask you guys a question tonight. I wonder what's both good and distracting in your life. What's good and distracting? Because work is good. You should get a job. Work is good, but not while you're having dinner. No, when you're having dinner, you should be present. Now I, I realized something. I didn't want to be that kind of dad that misses the moments of his kid's life because he was too busy paying attention to all the other things, which when I look back, I won't even really remember them. You know, when I, when I was asked to become the senior pastor of this church, I had a couple of things that went through my mind. And I went home that same night and I, and I prayed this prayer. Oh, I'm going I'm to teach you, a point tonight, this is not difficult. You'll be able to follow me very easily. I thought I'm gonna become the senior pastor. Okay. That means my kids will be pastors' kids. Okay, that's the part that's not difficult to follow. You, are you with me? Oh my gosh, half of you are with me. Alright, so my kid all right. My kids, they're gonna be pastors' kids. Now I know that doesn't sound much. To you, but I've discovered something to be true about pastors' kids. They often leave church. And you know the reason why they leave church? Because their dads were so distracted with ministry, and their parents were so distracted they don't pay attention to them. So you know what? They put the needs of everyone else ahead of their own kids and they end up resenting the church and they leave. And this is my prayer to God. I, I tell you, this is the truth. I got I had this very holy moment with God. Very holy moment. I said, Oh Lord, 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 Lord. I said, God. My kids are going to be pastors' kids. That's okay. If you want me to do this, I'm going to do it. But here's what I want you to do. I don't want my kids to ever grow up and and despise church and, and not have a relationship with you. So I'm willing to say yes to this if you make sure that my kids are okay. Very holy. Here is what God says back to me. He says, are you serious? He said, do you want me to do your job? He said, "Have you considered? I mean, you can come in here and you can you can pray and you can have that moment, but really, what what, what exactly are you looking from me, Pastor Ben?" I mean, what do you want from me? Did you know that I put you in charge of those kids? You're their dad. Don't give me your job. If you want to see them doing better, you're going to have to be there and be present. And I realized that how my kids grew up and look at God and church has a lot more to do with how I treat them than what God is going to do with them. Do you get that? Do you understand that? I realized that I had to be fully present and able to to see my kids grow up and, and love God. See, if you want a better job, you can have a holy moment. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. I don't like my job. Can you get me a new one? And you can pray about it. I want to tell you, look, this is the thing about me. I'm a deeply practical person. Okay? It's how I think, right? So you could pray about it. Oh, that's, that's cute, right? But eventually, you're going to have to go on a, to seek and apply for something And this is what I've learned about God, that he blesses the work of your hands, but he's not sending your resume. So if you want a new job, get one and go apply for it. If you're here and you're married and you want your marriage to be better, let's have another holy moment. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. God, I want my marriage to get better. Yeah, you can do that. You can pray for it. Or here's another idea. You could get home from work early and pay more attention to your spouse and don't put on Netflix. This is a great lesson for some of you guys growing up at the moment, right? Just just think about this forward plan, forward plan, forward plan, right? Don't tune out on Netflix for hours every single night instead of having a conversation. People used to do it in the olden days, a conversation with your wife to find out how her day is. I mean, I think it's just so much more important. Show up early, maybe get crazy, get some flowers or something like that. Know what your wife likes, right? So for example, do you know, can can I just have a show of hands, right? Do we have any women here that don't actually even like flowers? Just one person. Make sure you tell your husband to be. He needs to know that, right? So here's the thing, right? Find out what they like and get practical and and do something about it. Because my point is you can pray all day, but eventually you're going to have to show up and do something. Here's the thing about kids. If you want kids to grow, you can have another holy moment. Oh, Lord, I pray that these kids, would they just grow? You can pray all day, but eventually, eventually you'll clear your schedule. You won't be distracted with work. You'll stop being so consumed by your anxiousness that what you decide to do instead is to show up and spend time with your daughter, even if that means playing Barbies and you absolutely hate it, and even if that means for you on every Thursday morning coming home from having coffee and sitting down and watching Zootopia on repeat over and over and over again. This is my life. I'm just venting now. Over and over again, right? Now, I could quote Zootopia for you like line by line, right? and I'll tell you something. I don't like it, but I like what comes with it. I like what comes with this connection that we have when we do some things that she likes. I can pray about it all day or I can just show up and do it. I can put the time in my schedule. I can start to plan. I mean, to be honest, right? This stuff is going to cost you. If you want to invest into your marriage, you, you can have a date night. It's going to cost you money. That's okay just budget for it because it's important just prioritize what's ever really important if you want to if you're in charge of kids at any point in your future right it's going to cost you time okay that's how kids spell love by the way T-I-M-E. They just want your time. They want your affirmation. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you money. Around the fifth time do you watch Zootopia, it will cost you your sanity. I lost mine long ago, but it's still worth it. We know why? Because I have this connection with my daughter when we hang out all day and do the things that she really loves. Did you know that God will bless what you do? He blesses the work of your hands. Hey, hey, hey. I know he's the God that can do all things, but don't make his job difficult. Make it easy by getting practical and planning out your life and doing what you're supposed to be doing. I want to talk to, I know there's a couple of dads here. I'll tell you right now that there is a flow on effect when dads in particular, when dads in particular are absent in the lives of their kids. I want to look at something. Last year. I looked at a couple stats and, and some of these things blew me away. And I, I saw something, I looked at them again this year because I revised them and I looked at them again. And when I looked at them again, I, real, I saw something this time that I didn't see last time. Remember this you can be present and absent at the same time. Do you know anybody like that? They're present, but they're not even with you, okay? This is what can happen when dads are missing, all right? 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. That's five times the average. I think that that is, is a sad fact, but that doesn't have to be the, how it goes for everybody. I think particu- for, particularly for people that are surrounded by uh, a family that loves them, like a church or something like that. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Wow, that's, that's, that's 32 times the average. 32 times. Next one. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. That's 20 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. That's nine times the average. Now, my point to you is that fathers have influence. Now, that's, some of that stuff, I know it kind of sounds negative, but it doesn't need to be that way because when dads show up, really cool things can happen too. For example... Children with fathers who are involved are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. That doesn't mean that if you've had to repeat a grade in school that your father is not involved. It's just, okay, all right. For anyone that's like, oh. Children with fathers who are involved are 70% less likely to drop out of school. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get AIDS in school. And children with fathers who are involved are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities. You see, I know that when the dads aren't in the picture, sometimes negative things can happen. But when they are in the picture, positive things can happen. And my point is simply this, is that being a parent, particularly being a dad, you have influence. And I saw something this time that I didn't realize last time. And if you put a circle around all of those things that we just read, I think we could say this, is that all kids, all kids have potential. Of the slides that we looked at and the stats that we saw, all the kids without the fathers that were involved, they all had potential. But when the fathers were involved, you actually started to see that potential be realized. And this is my point. All kids have potential. The privilege... A parenthood is developing it. But you got to be present to see it happen. Can I tell you that one of the things that I love most when being a pastor is to see other people get developed. I love it. If, you're, if you serve on my team at Activate Church... I will do whatever I can to see you go further than you thought you could because I love it. I never get insecure about it. I hope that the team that I'm building are better than me at everything I do because that's my win. I love to see people get developed. See, I'm not just talking about kids. I've realized something that's true is that if you want to develop another person, sometimes they're kids. Sometimes they're just people that are, you know, under you and maybe a service team. Sometimes they're going to be people that you work with. But if you want to see someone get developed, you know what you need to do? You need to be around them. you got to be around them. And there's this thing that happens, this exchange. And part of what you're teaching gets impressed onto them. We develop all kinds of ways for trying to develop people. Sometimes we do small groups. They're great. If you're not in one, get in one. You can go on the website tonight. Have a, look one up. Apply for it. Get in a small group because we think that people actually, even though we've, there is so much value in church, right, we think that people learn better in circles than rows because you can ask questions. So if you're not in one, you should think about getting in one. You know what we've done? We've done internships. Internships are one of the best ways that we saw that we could develop people. You know what? There is a link between the proximity and, and, and this intenseness of relationship and how a person develops. And if you've got kids or if you have to raise kids, here's what I've discovered. Raising kids is like the longest internship of your life. The longest. They last for like 18 years unless they're professional students and it's, they're 30 and they're still living at home or something and then it's like it's 30 years, right? It's like the longest internship ever. I remember when I started my internship. You know, it's, it's not the kids that are the interns, it's the parents. I remember when I started my internship and i was looking after my, my kids. I had to do a whole heap of jobs that I didn't like. That's what happens when you're an intern sometimes. You have to do things that you don't really want to do. And so, you know what? I had to clean up stuff that no one should have to clean up in the middle of the night, right? And Sarah's like, I'm not getting up. You can deal with this. I'm like, no, I have to, I have to do it, right? But I, I discovered that the more time and energy and care and investment that I made into my kids, the more encouragement I gave them. I saw them grow. I saw them develop. I saw them do things that they didn't even know that they could really do. And they did it because I kept working with them. You know that we have baby dedications at church. Did you know that we do that? Our baby dedications. You know why we dedicate them as babies? Because when they're babies, they're still cute. and Parents are more willing to keep them. Because I feel like, honestly, sometimes if they knew what was going to happen around age 14, maybe they just thought, I'm trading this in for a more compliant version. But they don't. So we, may, we like to get the commitment up front. Hey, while they're still a baby, let's get these parents to commit because you know what it is. It's the parents that commit. It's not the kids. Every time there's a baby dedication, who's agreeing to anything? The little babies. They're not agreeing to anything. It's the parents that are agreeing. And you know why the parents are agreeing? I want you to see something that maybe you've never thought about before. But I know that sometimes when kids are born, if you've read the Where Do I Come From book, you'll know how that actually happens. So sometimes you think that kids are just a product of biology. It's just that they've been put together. But have you considered this? I know that when a child is born, just naturally you expect it to be there. And it's kind of a surprise. Like, wow, this, you know, here's this little baby. Wow. Did you know that God knew that child was going to exist before you were even born? And I think about this. I think about it. God could have given these kids to anyone. God could have given those kids to anyone, but he chose you if you have kids. If you don't, this is something to look forward to. And God has got a, some child somewhere in store for you and the moment when you decide, well, hey, maybe that's the path that we want to take and we want to have children, that child that God knew would always exist gets to be your greatest gift and it comes to you. And that's why parents and dedications, they say, thank you, Jesus, for the gift of children. And here's our promise. We're going to do everything we can to raise this child because we received them as a gift from you. Maybe sometimes what we've got to do is just look at it differently. I want you to understand. You've got to know that God has put gifts In people and they arrive on planet earth in the form of little babies but but God puts gifts in people and parents parents they get to be the first I call that privilege they get to be the first to draw it out and if you're anxious and worried and distracted if that's the kind of person that you are then I'm just letting you know right now, these little gifts that God will give you maybe one day, they're going to grow up and you're going to miss so much of the important stuff. So start to think about it now. You're going to be present to see what God wants to do in their lives. I, I'll admit this. I'll tell you the truth. I am not the greatest parent. I don't feel like that should be a surprise to anyone. I would never claim to be the world's greatest parent. But I, I tell you one thing that I've noticed. My, my kids... They do swimming and they play basketball. That's their sports, right? Swimming and basketball. And so at my kid's school, there is a, a, a teacher's aide, a person that helps in the classroom at their old school. And, uh, and, 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 and she was a teacher's aide and I went to swimming lessons one day and I saw her there and I would have said hello to her because her kid was doing swimming lessons right next to mine. And I would have said hello to her, but you know what? The whole time she was there, she was just flicking through whatever was happening on her phone. I tell you, I looked at this kid, this little boy, and every time he would get to the end, he would look up and he'd see his mom and he'd stare at her for just a minute. And he'd look at her, and every time she was just head down at her phone, I saw it over and over again. And, and I thought, man, I wonder what's happening on her phone that's so unbelievably important. It might be good, but she's missing what's great. I thought, maybe it's just a one-off. That's kind of unfair. I'm not going to judge anybody for that. But you know what? Every swimming lesson, it would be the same. And I thought, well, maybe maybe there's something that happens at around about this time every week that really needs to draw her attention. But you know what? Something else happened. You see, our kids, they actually played basketball together not in the same team, but they were training at the same court at the same time. And I would watch this kid try his hardest. I mean, do everything. I I saw him one time. He got a goal. It was the first time that he got a goal. I'm watching this kid because I'm I'm cheering this kid on. I want to encourage him every time he did something good. And I saw him. He got the goal. And he looked over at his mom. And you know what? She's just here. Scrolling. And I looked at that kid. And he just put his head down. And he went back to it. And I thought, my... My God, this person, this little person is trying their absolute hardest and, and and their parent is missing this unbelievable stuff that this kid is so proud of, but they're not even there to pay attention for it. You see that they're, they're present, but they're not really there. They're missing an action. They're there, but they're somewhere else. I don't know where they are, but they're missing something great. And I realize it's not a time problem. It's not a time problem it's a priority problem she's just prioritizing something else over what her kids are doing and maybe for you that's your situation you had a parent that didn't pay attention to you and they missed some of the things that you did Maybe you had a parent that wasn't very engaged in your your upbringing. You felt like you could never do enough to please them. Or it was just never enough. And, and, And if that's you, honestly, my heart breaks for you. I wish that that wasn't the experience that you needed to have. But the truth is, sometimes it happens. And here's something else that I've realized. You don't have to repeat that same process in your own life. You know that at church, I think one of the reasons why we have church is because there are so many spiritual moms and dads. And if you're here and you had a parent that never took an interest in you, I promise there's someone here that will. We want to see people grow and develop and see the gift that God put in them be developed and realized. And you, maybe you're an adult. No one discovered it when you were a kid. It's still in there. I don't know what it is yet, but there'll be someone here who wants to see you grow and develop. And if that's you and you're like, oh my gosh, I missed out. missed out on all of those things one day you're going to get the opportunity to make everything different for the kids that you have you get the opportunity to change not just yourself your own life but do you realize that when you live a life that impresses these good things onto other people you don't just change them You change generation after generation after generation after generation. I don't know how many thousands of people are in your future family line, but I tell you, you can change thousands of lives if you're present and you invest and you love and you care and you're not distracted about the things that really don't matter. Please, 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 if you get anything, don't miss the great things that God wants to do in the life of someone that you know and care about. Dads, there's a couple dads here tonight. You have the best job in the world. The best job in the world. If you're here today and you're a dad, could you just please raise your hand? Just raise your hand. We have a couple of dads, right? All right. I want you to, never leave, raise your hands because we, we need to see who you are. All right, if you're sitting next to that person, here's what I want you to do. Maybe in front of them, I want you to turn around right now, just find a couple of these people, right? And I want you to look in their face and say, hey, you. No, come on, like do it with some attitude. Say, hey, you. So you have the best job in the world. You have the best job in the world because here's the truth. Dads, you have the best job in the world. You get the opportunity to change the life of somebody else. I want to read the scripture to you. It comes out of Psalm 145. It says this every day in verse two, I will bless your name. Wouldn't that be so great by the way? I mean, just even right there, I'll just stop at the first line every day, every day I will bless your name. You know what? I've discovered this to be true is that Life doesn't work out perfectly every single day, but what if the thing that you taught your kids, the next generation, or the people around you, is that no matter what was going on, every day you could praise God. Every day. When I see someone that's able to praise God every day, I never think they've got the perfect life. I think they've discovered something that I want to know more about, because I want to know how... No one's getting through life unscathed. Things touch people's lives. Nothing. No one just wins all the time, but someone that praises God every day, no matter what's going on, they've learned something that I want to know, something that we should be teaching every day. I'll bless you and I'll praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness and his greatness is unsearchable. And this is the verse I really wanted to get to. One generation shall commence. That word means to loudly praise. One generation shall loudly praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You can only give away what you've got. You can only ever give away what you've got. Have you ever got, had to get into the lift? With someone's, it's flu season, all right? So have you ever had to get into the lift and then the other person next to you, they're like coughing and spluttering. You're like oh my gosh, and you hold your breath, all you germophobes that are thinking, don't get it, don't get it, don't get it. And you hold your breath and you're like, open, open the door, I am not catching this lift with this sick person, right? You know why you feel like that? Or like somebody sneezes and you're like, oh, I can't deal with this, right? No winter binder. So you just caught my eyes right then. But it's true, you know. And, and, and here's the thing, you know why you feel like that? Because they've got something and you know that because it's in them, you could catch it. Do you know with kids it's the same way? It's it what's in you? They'll catch it. If you're teaching youth, if you're a youth leader, do you know what's in you? They'll catch it. And maybe you've got this secret private area of your life. Guess what? Kids don't always do what you say they should do. They'll do what they see you do. You're going to impart something that you've got into the lives of another person. So what we do really matters. And if we have a generation of people, if we have a generation of people, this is so important for you guys tonight. I know that you don't have a lot of kids, but, but this, you need to hear this. If we have a generation of people that are anxious, worried, always concerned about everything, greatly troubled, incredibly distracted, that is what you will impress and imprint onto the lives of other people. And that's not... What God's got in store for people. I just don't believe it. We don't want to impress that onto the lives of other people. And I just wanted to ask you a question. I wonder what works you're going to loudly praise to the coming generation. What works do you have that you can look to and point to and you can loudly praise to the next generation? Because here's what you need to know. They can't all be everyone else's stories. They can't be something that you read or something that you heard. I mean, what will you say of what you've experienced in your own life that you can point to and say to the next generation, I remember in my 20s, God showed up and did this. I remember in my 30s, God showed up and did that. What will you have to point to? Because we have a generation of young people leaving the church right now because what they were taught were rules and regulations. Here's your list of do's and here's your list of don'ts. And when they were old enough to decide for themselves, They said, we don't want anything to do with this because it wasn't real. But when you've had a real encounter, you begin to speak and share out of that. You have something to say. You have something to give away. Guys, do you have something to give away? Do you have a life that's encountering the presence of God in such a way that it's going to shock and amaze like we sang before? Will your stories shock and amaze the coming generation? I don't think Jesus died for this. I don't think he died for the, for the anxious, worried impartation. I think he died for something so much more. In fact, you know what the scriptures say? He died to bring life and to bring it abundantly. Now, I'm not talking about money. I've seen poor people live abundantly. I'm not talking about perfection and I'm not talking about presentation. I'm not talking about covering up the outside and dressing it up and putting everything in the junk room and saying, Hey, my life is okay. I'm not, that's not abundant life. That's actually just lying to yourself. That's not what Jesus died for. I mean, there has to be something more than that. Something that God is doing. Are you able in all seasons? No matter. I mean, come on. Can we be real for a minute, guys? Can we be real? sometimes stuff happens and it's not great but in the middle of that thing that's not great can you behold jesus and say oh my god you are so good to me you're unbelievable i love you every day i will praise your name because if you can find a way to do that then you'll learn to do what so many people miss and maybe the thing that you'll impress onto the next generation will be a life of faith that they will encounter, that will absolutely completely transform them because I'm telling you, they're going to need it. They're going to need it. I, I, I want to finish with this, with this one story. My, my, um, I used to work in recruitment uh, years ago and I remember one day we, we took a trip out to, to, a, uh, to a school and it was a Catholic school and when we got there, uh, the person that I worked with, we were waiting in the foyer for someone to, to come and, and to serve us and I remember I, I looked at this person, and they were looking around and seeing all the religious stuff because it was a Catholic school. So, so they looked at me, and they said, so I think, I'm, I think I'm Catholic. And I said, well, sweetheart, if you have to think about it, you're nothing. She was like, I cannot believe you said that, right? I, I can't I, how can you say that I'm I'm nothing? I said what well, how can you say that you're something you don't even really know it. I said can, can you tell me tell me how do you think you might be catholic? And she said well my parents were I said oh that's so cute. I said hey that's not how this works. You don't actually inherit that from your parents. I'm glad they made that decision, but you need to make a decision for yourself. And if you're catholic then you should probably know about it. I've learned this to be true about faith. You can't actually inherit it and so maybe Maybe your parents have been something. They were pastors or they were leaders or they were Catholic, but in no way does that mean that you are. You need to make your own decision to have a relationship with God. And I've discovered that you can't inherit faith, but here's what you can do if you want to make a difference in the life of someone else. You can tell them your stories. You can tell them what God did in your day. You can tell them how He transformed and changed your life. I'll tell you the truth right now. I remember being eight years old. This is what I get to tell my kids now because of some of the experiences that I've had. I remember being eight years old, knowing absolutely nothing. Uh, I I knew a few things. I'm not a biblical scholar. I've been to Sunday school, but I heard that Jesus heals. So here's the thing. I'm in the backseat of the car on the way to the hospital because I have asthma and I'm I'm choking and it's serious, right? And in the backseat of that car, laying down, I just said this prayer. I said, God, I know you can heal me. So in Jesus' name, I I, I reject this sickness. And I pray that I would be healed the moment that I did my airways opened up and I began to breathe easy. We just did a U-turn and went straight back home. I get to say that because that's something that I had. I remember the day that I nearly quit everything. I didn't want anything to do with church. I was ready to give up and walk away on church. You know why? I couldn't figure out. Would I return to church? After all the junk that was in my junk room, I never considered. why. I said, why God, why would you even love me? Why would you want anything? to do with me. And amazingly, and this hasn't happened before and it hasn't happened since, but my, my nan, oh, how good is it to have a great nan in your life? My nan shows up says, what are you doing today? I said, I'm not doing anything. She says, come out for lunch for me with me. We went out for lunch. She sat across the table from me and she said, I just felt like God wanted you to know that he loves you so much and he's got a plan for your life. And even though you feel like things aren't going to work out, they're going to work out for you. I just wanted to share that with you today. I nearly cried right there on the spot because I realized that even though I felt rejected, I didn't know how God could love me. He did. And I was hearing his words through other people. There have been so many times in my life that I can point to and say, God, showed up here and he showed up there. Here's my question to you. Do you have that kind of experience? Do you have an experience that you can point to that's not someone else's story, but one that says to the coming generation, I'm not just going to give you rules and regulations, guys. I'm going to tell you this thing, Jesus, he's real. What he can do is abundant. It's miraculous. It's incredible. And if you can learn to behold him the same way that I did, maybe he'll do in your life and maybe more so what he did in mine. This This is the privilege of parenthood. This is the privilege of parenthood. You get to make a difference in someone else's life. You get to find people where they are and develop that raw state into something that is going to honor and glorify God. And I know all over this place, whether you've got kids or whether you don't have kids, it really doesn't make a difference because I know that there are people in your lives that need to be changed and transformed. And if you live this life... You're going to impress something amazing onto other people's lives. It's going to transform them. You understand what I'm saying tonight? You, you, you get me? Stand to your feet. I want to pray for everybody in this room. I want to pray for everybody. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.